Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome back, friends. My name's Ashley. And this is Brittany. And welcome to More Than a Season podcast. We are happy to have you. If you are a new follower, welcome. If you're an OG, we'd love to have you back. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. You know that we love our community and it means a lot to us and we are growing. So you guys just bring a friend, everyone come on over. Um, if you are in the sports industry and you're looking for a home, we are the place for you. That's right. And we are going to be expanding more and more and doing different topics and ideas as we continue on this journey. So if there's ever anything that you want us to talk about, just DM us or send us an email. Everything is included in the show notes and we're happy to do anything that helps you guys along your journey. Yeah, and if y'all want to support our podcast, something that's super free and easy to do is if you just pause and give us a review and a follow, subscribe, all the things just to show that you are a part of the community. And we appreciate it because it helps others find our group here. Last week, I watched Tinder Swindler. Mm -hmm. And I was telling Ashley, I was like, you've got to watch this. Like, it's so, so crazy. If you've seen it out there, you know, it's so crazy. Did you end up watching it? Yeah, we both watched it. Carson is always like on the edge about watching documentaries, which is so funny because I'm like, you have to watch this. Like, I've heard it's crazy. Brittany said it was crazy. And so we actually watched um, the documentary like a couple months ago. It's called Don't F with Cats or something. It's yeah, on Netflix. Watch that too. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the same kind of, I think, directors that do this one as well. But it is freaking nuts. Like, I don't understand how you get caught up in something like this. I'm not judging the girls by any means because I know you get like all caught up. I was blown away by what this guy got away with. To give you guys a rundown, these are spoilers. So if you have not watched it yet and you would like to, you need to skip forward. But basically this guy, he cons these women into giving him thousands of dollars and they take out all these loans. And so they're in debt to all of these different loan brokers. And it is a crazy story because he uses that money from the one person towards the next person and then just so on and so on. And he meets them all through Tinder. Yeah. And they they basically go on a first date with him and he sweeps them off their feet. Like it is something so magical. He's got this big, you know, prestigious job and a private plane and even a bodyguard, mm -hmm. which blows my mind. But um, as you watch the documentary, you will be literally blown away. He is so strategic. And I hate to say it, but it is like the most brilliant plan I've ever seen. I know. Awful, but brilliant. Yeah. And it's so funny because you just said like he sweeps them off their feet on their first date. And I just think back to like first dates and like oh. I definitely did the like online dating, Tinder, Bumble. And I just think like my first dates were not like magical. Like, and maybe that's not because I'm <laughs> the right person. But even like my first time I met Drew was kind of awkward. Like it's not like yeah, let me just hop on your private jet with you and like go to a different country. Like one of the girls, she basically went on the first date and he was like, come with me to, oh my gosh, I don't even know. It was like Paris or something. It was on the first date. Yeah. I would have been like, you are crazy. I'm not going. But maybe that's just because I was small minded back then. But I did have a funny story when I was in class um, at Oklahoma State. I did swipe right when I was in a lecture and the phone in the same row with me, this guy that was in the row with me, like it dinged so like him and I match <laughs> you're having a conversation right next to each other right next to each other I had no makeup on <laughs> hair on top of my head like looked completely different than my profile and so he kept dming me and he's like hey it says we're like real close to each other what class are you in right now and I was watching him I was like oh my gosh no so I never actually 
like went up to him i just left i was like i can't be this person did you ghost him yeah i didn't ghost him but i just was like this is not going to work just because of other red flags but i was just like man what are the odds that we're in the same class tinder was kind of known as like the creepy Mm -hmm. dating app at least where i was in my singleness life and Bumble was like the thing but I always like thought Bumble Bumble was funny because like you had to start the conversation and I'm like a serial like conversation starter and then like bye like (laughs) like if I don't feel it like I'm like "Eh, I don't really know some people are like you just go on every first date and I was not that person I was like yeah I'll let you know like when I want to go on a date. Yeah, I just think that with the whole dating app culture, it's so interesting because I was actually talking to a friend. We were laughing about this the other day is on Hinge. She was she met her husband through Hinge, but it cracks me up because all the profile pictures for the guys are very similar. It's like them doing some like sport activity. One's holding up a fish like that they caught. (laughs) yeah country living and then there's like one more where he's like in a suit it's like always the same three photos Uh uh-huh cracks me up women it's like bikini photo (laughs) and then like (laughs) very casual pictures of like me and my friend like i hate when they did that too like the guys would post a group photo i'm like well which one are you yes like like, y'all look similar circle we need a red circle around which one yes (laughs) i know and they lie on height too that would always blow my mind oh i know i went on a couple dates where the guy was like i'm I'm 5'11", and I was like, ooh, honey, you're pushing that 5'8", like yeah, when we're on that you day. You can never believe their height <laughs> online until you get that measuring stick out and you really, like, <laughs> in it person, on it. <laughs> you know for sure. Yeah, we watched, so Tinder Swindler, amazing. If y'all have not seen it, definitely do that. But the Winter Olympics are definitely coming in hot. I am just, like, amazed at these winter sports. I know. Do you like winter better or the Summer Olympics? Uh, I like them both. I think the reason why I'm so fascinated by winter is just because growing up in the South, there's nowhere for me to go and watch, like, the big air. Like, where they do, like, Mm -hmm. the tricks with the skis or just even ice skating. I actually grew up and I did figure skating for several years but it's just one of those things where you're like this is so cool it's so different it is cool I love the winter olympics my cousin was in the winter olympics like a while ago he's a snowboarder he actually funny story (laughs) he actually was out after like one of the winter olympics and had his medal around his waist and had like women kissing it and so he got like he got like in trouble but basically had already gotten his medal so like at that point it was like whatever women kissing his medal (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it was really funny but yeah we've always been like winter olympics but i love the summer too i feel like there's different Mm -hmm. different sports within each one that i really really like yeah it's definitely worth watching i one of the figure skating competitions it was this russian girl i do not want to pronounce her name wrong but she was 15 and she was the first one to ever complete a quad lutz i think that's how you pronounce it and that's where it's basically like you're doing the four spins like up in the air before they like come out and keep skating and I just thought it was so impressive and she just literally did not even look nervous didn't fall none of that I mean perfect it's crazy being an athlete in general I feel like it's just something that 
people take for granted people watching at home on their couch and are like oh that's whatever oh yeah points <laughs> deducted <laughs> I know wasn't that great <laughs> yeah Carson and I were watching and one of the ski girls fell like the, did a dismount and fell a little bit and we we're like oh she's not gonna get any medal because of that it's like we looked at each other we're like as fatty's just like sitting on the couch yeah. can't do any of it it's but so funny I think that the Olympics like when we learned with Lauren Susselman when we had mm-hmm. her on like how crazy it is for preparing for that and I think another one of the sports that we always talk about that is the crazy like preparation is baseball because I feel Mm -hmm. like baseball they just have the longest preparation they're always like playing always playing and so I think it's crazy like they they really do take the cake for all that yeah I will say with the interview that y'all are about to hear we'd finally connect with our baseball life and we have three of the (laughs) our baseball life women that are the founders of it and it's just so cool because they are relentless like they endure so many things. Yeah they talk about you know your identity and how important that is to be true to yourself and to still like follow your own dreams. They also talk about community and communication, all of the important things that go along with being in the sports industry. And of course, we finish with talking about their foundation that they created, which is just an amazing, amazing movement. So you definitely don't want to miss talking to Paige, Alyssa, and Lori. And we will see you on the other side. We will be back in just a moment. But first, we want to share a discount code from one of our favorite game day brands. I swear... It is so hard to find clear game day bags that are stadium approved, but also cute. Every single year I'd purchase a game day bag from Amazon and it never failed that during the game, my stuff would break and I'd be holding all of my items in my hand. And so we finally found sheer gear handbags and I have the EV with black trim and gold accents. Yeah, we absolutely love this brand. I personally have the Ella bucket bag with silver trim. What's great about these bags is that you can start the personalization from the beginning. There's the options of silver, black, and gold. And also you can select the color of your tassel, which can easily be changed out when you move. Every bag also comes with an accessory pouch, which will hide all of your intimate items. And you can customize this accessory pouch with your name or even your initials if you want to. So go to sheergear.com and use our promo code more than a season 10 for 10% off any clear bag. You know, it's our favorite time of the week. We always love bringing on guests. And this time it is a triple guest appearance here. So we're super excited. This is our first ever triple guest. And we're excited about this one because when we decided to expand more than a season and not just be football, it was kind of early on anyways. The first people we thought of was baseball. I played softball my whole life. And so it was kind of I knew the baseball life and I knew how crazy it was and we followed our baseball life. And so this is a long time in the making. We're really excited about this interview and we're going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves. I'm Lori Ankiel. My husband, Rick, played uh, MLB for about 16 years, I think. Um, He's pretty well known for starting out as a pitcher and then switching positions and coming back as an outfielder, which has just really never been done in you know, a million years. <laughs> so um, I actually founded our baseball life back in 2010 after he was traded from the Royals to the Braves. I was pregnant at the time, newly pregnant. And when he called me and told me that he was traded, I literally thought it was a joke because it was like 15 minutes before the trade deadline ended. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. It's like, oh no, I'll be in Atlanta tomorrow. And I, you know, had a mini meltdown. (laughs) We had two big dogs with us. Also, we brought our Rottweiler and our Siberian Husky with us 
on the road at the time. And I just, you know, was like, I have no idea about Atlanta. And I thought, what am I going to do? So I start calling my friends. Anybody know anything about Atlanta? Where should we live? I'm pregnant. I need a doctor. And it kind of started to dawn on me at that time that this needs to be like available to families Mm -hmm. because you know, as you know, when you're traded, you leave immediately. Like he was gone the next morning at 8 a.m. And I was left behind to pack up the house, the dogs, the cars, ship everything to Atlanta with zero idea of where to live. I needed a doctor. Is there a place that's going to take these huge dogs? You know, and it, it was really overwhelming. And so that's kind of where the idea of our baseballlife.com came about. And so I just started polling my friends and getting resources and trying to get all the recommendations for you know, housing and realtors and doctors and all those things and trying to put them in one place. Mm -hmm. And so I did that for, you know, I guess six or seven years on my own. And um, Alyssa had started a pretty cool hashtag after all those shows, the WAG shows like that were on E or VH1 or something like that. And she started a hashtag of WAGs in real life, because obviously those show, you know, the lifestyle that is not normal for most of the people in, in the sports industries and athletes, wives and that type of thing. And it really took off like wildfire. And so her and I started communicating. We started a podcast ourselves, actually, I think in 17 or 18, 18, yeah. um, 18. And then we brought in Paige, who you'll speak to next after that. She, her and Alyssa had been working together as Wags in Real Life took off. And then we just all became partners. And I'll let the other girls kind of fill in the blanks where I kind of jumped around. But <laughs> yeah, so I'll jump in. My, my name is Alyssa Baginero and my husband, Jeff, we've been in baseball together pretty much since the day we met. I think he signed with the White Sox like right after we met and of course left um, right after we met. So <laughs> we we did long distance. I was in college still. He came back, proposed, left again, did long distance, came back, got married, left again. <laughs> so pretty much my entire adult life has been in professional baseball. He played with the White Sox and the Diamondbacks. And now he's been coaching with the Diamondbacks for, I think, 11 years. So we have two kids. They are... 12 and 14, almost 13 and 15, which is crazy. So they've grown up in this lifestyle too, which has always been interesting and fun. But my whole thing was when he started coaching, you know, he was coaching in rookie ball and single A and these levels where there just, there weren't a lot of other wives around other girls around because the guys are so young. Right. And so I kind of felt, found myself out in a random city with nobody around that really understood this lifestyle and what I was going through. And I knew I couldn't be the only one feeling alone. So when the wags in real life hashtag took off, that was on Twitter. I think (laughs) I was like, Hey, there's something here. You know, the girls want to know that they're not alone and they want other people to understand what this life is like. Right. And so I started an Instagram and just started sharing everybody's experiences on there. And it really just grew like crazy because I think community is such a huge thing and, you know, having other people that understand the craziness Mm -hmm. of this life when nobody else in your circle does is really important. And so since that took off and, you know, grew so much, I needed help. So (laughs) Paige jumped in and helped me from there. And it's been a team effort ever since. Yeah. So I jumped in, Alyssa needed some help. So I'm Paige Murphy. I live in Michigan in the freezing cold tundra, (laughs) but we had met in Arizona through a mutual friend. And so she needed some help. And she, I think you posted maybe on 
Facebook or something and said, I don't even remember exactly how it went down. And so I just sent her a message and said, Hey, like whatever you need, I'll, you know, I'm willing to jump in and help. And so I came on and we became partners for Wags in Real Life. And we did that for, I guess it was about a year and a half. She'd been doing the podcast with Lori and said, Hey, like, let's all come together. So I've been in baseball since I was 18. My then boyfriend, <laughs> Donnie, he was playing for the Royals. He jumped around. Um, he was with the Royals for a few years, got traded, signed with lots of different teams. I think he ended up playing for nine organizations during his career. So it was about 14 years up and down major leagues, minor leagues. Um, and now he's been a coach for the Blue Jays for the last seven seasons. So um, he started out as a hitting coach and now he's a manager. So I've kind of done everything. We've basically done Anything from, you know, playing in the minor leagues, he was an infielder, playing in the big leagues, getting traded, being sent down, being injured, you know, just all of the things moving around the country. We have two small kids who did that with us over the years and, you know, our dogs and the whole nine. So I've kind of experienced the entire spectrum of <laughs> baseball and everything that it has to offer, good, bad, and ugly. I'm just listening to all the history that y'all have and all of the different chapters that you've had to go through um, and gain all that experience. And I want to know, one of y'all can answer, all of you can, what do you think the hardest part in the beginning was trying to figure out this lifestyle? Because one, I feel like moving, y'all take the cake. Like I, I will never forget learning about how much y'all move and how much you can move. Um, I remember my jaw just like <laughs> dropped because we were talking about, we usually move after, you know, a season has completed, but you have all these options in between and going around through that experience. So kind of tell me like in the beginning, what did you feel um, was the hardest part? I'll take that because that's primarily the reason I started our baseballlife.com was it's logistics. It is moving realtors, housing, you know, you move for spring training and then you move for the season and then you may get released or traded and then you're moving again. I know Rick's last season, um, he was released from the Astros and then we came home and then we, then he signed with the Mets and then we moved to New York. So it can be, I mean, we've heard stories of girls that have moved like four times in a season between four different teams just because of trades and that's releases. <laughs> exactly. So it's, I feel like that's definitely the most difficult thing is managing the logistics of moving so many times. And, you know, and then when you start adding kids and pets and that type of thing, it just makes it even more difficult. So that would probably be my vote. I think too, moving on a minor league salary. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the one that we've been in the minor leagues the longest, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I remember when my husband actually after his first big league call up, I went to Chicago, watched him play. That was awesome. But by the time I got back to our apartment in Charlotte, the minor league season had ended. So everyone had left, Mm -hmm. but I had a whole apartment to pack up and a hurricane was moving in. And I was literally all by myself. We had a pet chinchilla. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) So that was like, you know, the, the complication, but we had a truck, just an open bed truck. And I was there trying to pack up before the hurricane hit. I mean, it was already raining, just throwing whatever I could into trash bags in the back of the truck because there was no cover and, you know, trying to drive out of there through tornado sirens and everything else. But like, I didn't have money to pay for someone to pack our stuff. You know, I didn't, there was no, I didn't have any resources really. It was just me. Yeah. So doing all the logistical things when you're not getting paid any money is, is really hard to. (laughs) 
And then you add on kids on top of that and you're trying to pack up an apartment with a two-year-old and you're like, great, now I have to drive 13 hours to the next location (laughs) that he's already in. And you've got a two-year-old who's like, mom, mom, mom. And you're like, I, I don't need, I give up. I don't know what to do, but you get really good at packing. So, yeah, I think that's crazy too. Like I have friends that are baseball players and I don't think I ever fully understood until I saw physically them in the minors. And I was like, oh, it sounds so glamorous, right? Like the wags on TV, like everything sounds so glamorous. And then you see them in this apartment with five guys and a mattress in the kitchen and you're living in a bad area and this isn't great, you know? So I think it's really glamorized from the top. And so people don't realize that what it takes to get there. And we're trying to also explore that more with you guys and other people in the industry, which is just so amazing what you guys have done. It's kind of similar on our side. We're trying to like create this community because people do feel alone. And so when you guys first started Our Baseball Life, what did you feel was the important piece that you needed? Like you needed all those resources, but like what else was that community built on? I started trying to create a place where people can find the resources, like where they're supposed to leave or live, where they pick up their tickets. Where do you park? Where do you meet your you know, boyfriend or husband after the game. Like I was trying to get all that information and what Alyssa did was our missing component was creating the community aspect of it, of support and trying to get everyone to understand that we're here for each other. And, you know, like really before that, it was just an email trail where people were asking the same questions over and over, you know, where do I pick up my tickets or how do I, you know, where do I live when we get to Kansas city or, you know, things like that. And, you know, making the website so that all the resources can be put there and then bringing in Alyssa and and Paige with the community aspect kind of just, I think was the missing piece so that we could create a one-stop shop type of thing. Yeah. We needed to be able to give people that outlet to say, Hey, I'm really struggling today. Like this is really hard. And I'm upset because I've, you know, haven't seen my boyfriend or my husband in six weeks and I've got a baby or I'm pregnant or whatever, or I'm, you know, don't have kids and I'm just really, you know, struggling being alone or I'm struggling because we're moving a ton or I don't know anybody or he's injured and I don't know, you know, how to handle that. I mean, there's a million different things that happen. And obviously you guys can relate in football, I'm sure in the same way where there's injuries or whatever the case may be, that some of those things just get hard and you just need to be able to say to somebody, hey, I'm really having a hard day. Mm-hmm. And you know that there's people that you can reach out to that are, you know, understanding of that and can comfort you or answer a question or, you know, just give you, you know, anything, just advice, support, whatever. And so I think we found that that was huge for a lot of people that they wanted to just be able to say, this is hard and this sucks and have somebody understand and not turn around and say, well, but doesn't he make a ton of money or isn't it so awesome to be able to do the travel and to be able to go? And it's like, well, yes, like there's great parts to it too, but just having that support and that camaraderie, I think with other women in the game, you know, just other people who have either done it longer than you or maybe they're brand new and you can offer that kind of mentorship to them too. Like that's, there's something rewarding in that too, to have other women that, you know, maybe are brand new to the game and you can sort of share your experience. So I think that's huge for people. The resources are great. And obviously everyone needs to know all of those, you know, important details. And so we've been able to pull all of that together as well. 
Yeah, I want to touch on communication and kind of back up for a second because you spend a lot of time by yourself and we do as well um, in the football industry. And I feel like you have to learn how to be independent and be okay of being by yourself and doing things that most normal um, nine to five spouses or significant others would be there to help you do, whether it be even the simple things around the house or things that you usually would have help with. I know that people out there are struggling when they're by themselves after a while and that bitterness can reside there and you just feel like I'm doing this all by myself and then you're out there just like living your dream. So what do you feel that helped you the most through that journey and what's helping you now with communication with your significant other? Resentment's huge, right? Like you can get into a really dark spot where you can start really resenting your significant other for their dream, for their job, for you know what's happening in their career. And so I think that that's been something that we've touched on a little bit. We had a conference back in 2020 where we talked a lot about identity and how you sort of navigate where if you are traveling with your significant other in the game, um, you're by yourself. And if you're not traveling with them, which is common as well, you're by yourself. So either way, for huge periods of time, you can be by yourself in this life. And so communication is big, obviously, with FaceTime and things, you know, it's gotten easier to sort of have a little bit more connection in that way. But we've definitely had to kind of experience a lot of different aspects of how do you stay connected? How do you not have that resentment build toward them? And I think having your own identity, whether it's, you know, having a job that you keep for yourself or, you know, finding hobbies or, you know, whatever the case, whatever it is for you that works for you, I think is, is so important. And I think all three of us are huge advocates of that, just having your own identity while also supporting with his dream and with his career as well. Communication is a big deal. And I feel like talking to each other, really trying to say, hey, like I'm having a tough day or vice versa, if they're having, you know, a bad week or whatever, just really talking through some of those difficulties that you're having and trying to come up with a way to make sure that you're supporting them, but also they're supporting you because you're sacrificing as well. I think if I were to give someone advice, I would say, you need to communicate with your significant other on the best ways to communicate. I am a fixer. So if Rick came home and he was over four, I'd be like, okay, so I think that, you know, and he wanted nothing to do with that. Like, no, you know, and, and early on, I was just wanting to help. Like, let's talk about it. Let's, you know, and that was the wrong approach. <laughs> like I needed to just shut up and, you know, talk about something else. And so I think a lot of times when you you're first in a relationship, you may be the same way or, and you need to figure that out. You need to say, Hey, if you have a really bad game, how would you like me to respond? Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to talk about it another time the next day? Do you want to not talk about it at all? Like having a plan on how to handle those things will make a huge difference because there are so many arguments where I was like, I was just trying to help. And he's already at a 10 because he had a bad game. So now I'm trying to make it better in my mind is making it way worse for him. So I think if you talk about that ahead of time before the actual moments, you know, and say, hey, you know, if you have a bad game, how do you want to handle it? Do you want to decompress? Do you want to talk? Do you know, like have all those things ahead of time. So then when it happens, then you can say, okay, I know he had a bad game. He doesn't want to talk about it. I'm going to, you know, make dinner or we're going to go out or we're going to do something and I'm not going to bring it up. And having those little tidbits, I think, to know ahead of time will help so much going forward. And I think too, if you are the, person that stays home. And especially if you have kids, whatever you can do to build a community at home around you and be willing to ask for help. So if you live somewhere where you don't have family, 
get connected with church or whatever community group you can find that not necessarily understand your situation, but will, you know, come alongside you. And that's why we live in Texas. My whole family lives here. So when he's gone, they help drive the kids places and help me with the yard work and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> they jump in when, when he has to leave. But when we lived in Arizona, we just, we had a great community around us that, you know, would jump in and, and help with whatever. And so that helps me to not put it all on him. Yeah. I'm also so curious about like the differences, like some people decide to move with them every single place that they go to. Some people like you have built a home base and decide like, hey, we really want to live in Texas because that's where our friends and family are. And then maybe we'll travel back and forth or maybe we're going to live where spring training is and we're going to be in Arizona or Florida. So I want to hear about what you guys did and why you decided to do that, because I think having different opinions and things like that is what this community is all about. And people can maybe find, oh, that's what I want to do. Or maybe I want to do something different. For us, we just, we literally take things season by season. I don't think you can plan really far in advance in baseball. You just don't know what's going to happen. So like I said, we were apart for the first couple of years. And so by the time I graduated college, I was like, I'm going with you. (laughs) We're going to be together. So that was our plan. We wanted to be together and do the whole minor league journey together. And that was awesome. We were young and married and didn't have kids. And so it was just a big adventure, you know, and then eventually we ended up buying a house in Arizona and we were there, you know, for spring training and all of that. And the older my kids get, the less we travel. So it's just changed over time. So it used to be, I was with him all the time when my kids were little. Um, he was actually just coaching in Arizona for a while, which was really nice because we didn't have to go anywhere. <laughs> Worked out really well when they were really little. But once he started traveling again, you know, they were little, so it was easier to just go. You know, I ended up homeschooling for a couple of years because they were young and it was easy. But the older they get, the more we're here because they have sports and they have activities and that kind of stuff. And now they're teenagers. And so they just have more commitments here at home that we want them to be able to, to do. Right. And so it's just evolved over time. And every season we, we make a plan and, and that's what we do. And if something's not working, you can change it. People feel like you have to make a decision and you have to stick with it no matter what. There's all this anxiety that comes with making that decision, but really you can change it. We live, which I forgot to mention that we live in Jupiter, Florida, where the Cardinal spring training is. And that's the team he spent the most time with. And now he announces games. He works for Valley Sports Midwest. So he does the Cardinal games on TV now. So he just travels back and forth. But like Alyssa said, when we were dating, I would fly to see him every other weekend. And then once we were married, I tried to stay home for about six months and, you know, it continued working. I was working in marketing and I was like, well, this is sucks. <laughs> so we changed it and I quit my job and I, he was still in the minors at that point. And then uh, once he got called up, we went to St. Louis. And then from that point on, I just went with him every season and we had two dogs and I drove them everywhere all over the country and, and we stayed together and we live now in Jupiter where the spring training is. So it works out great because he calls the Cardinal games. He's really, you know, still very close with that organization. You know, we're here for spring training and it also helps with our baseball life having all these because we have, I think, five or six teams really close by here yeah. during spring training. We've done both. We lived in Arizona for about 10 years um, and that's where at one time he was spring training. Um, most of his career, he was spring training in Arizona, but there was a few years there that he was in Florida. So Arizona made sense for a long time and we really liked it there. Had a lot of friends there, a lot of baseball friends. And when spring training was there, it was really convenient. 
when he retired and decided to go into coaching and got the job with the Blue Jays, then of course he was now spring training in Florida. And so about three years ago, we made the decision to move to Michigan, which is where I'm originally from. It's where I grew up and it's where a lot of my family lives. So we decided to sell our house in Arizona and move here and build. Made a little bit more sense being that most of the Blue Jays organization is on the East Coast. And so the likelihood of him being anywhere on the Eastern time zone, it made sense for us to be in Michigan. They used to, when we first moved here, have a team an hour away that he coached for for two seasons. Of course, now he is coaching for the only team that they have on the West Coast. (laughs) So we couldn't be further away from home at this point now. Now he coaches for the Vancouver British Columbia team. So I'm like, great, we moved to where it was going to be more convenient. And now in true baseball fashion, he is coaching the team uh, as far away from home as possible. So that like, you know, like Alyssa said, you have to literally move, you know, like roll with the punches, move with the, with baseball, because it is ever changing is never the same. You are never guaranteed to be in one spot. Obviously with coaching, you're a little bit more stable in baseball, whereas, you know, you would sign a contract for that year and stay in that city. But as a player, I mean, geez, we moved four times in one year. So you just got to go with the flow. I want to talk about children a little bit because this is the most complex component. And I know that you say you changes season after season, what we just talked about. You can reevaluate and bring it all back in um, and see what works best for your family. But having that decision to start a family would be so intimidating to me because you're seeing what they would have to go through and what you would have to be able to withstand, whether it be moving all over the place or having to basically plant yourself and make that decision for your family. So did you have mentors or people that you looked up to that already had children and were like, okay, this is what you can expect? Or was it kind of like trial by fire? You're like, okay, well, I'm just going to go with it. We are ready to start our family. We'll see how it goes and whatever works, works. I think you you just ask or see what is happening within your own organization. Every stadium has a family room. So, you know, you go in the family room and you see who's doing it before you and how you ask them questions and kind of figure out what's working for them. I mean, we've really seen everything from go with them in homeschool or you stay back and try to keep a home, you know, home base there. I think that's pretty much what you do is just ask, ask your teammates. Yeah. Lean on your community. Yeah. My husband played for the Marlins for a few years and there was a lot of girls that had kids. Um, And so I sort of got to observe, you know, a fair amount before we decided to have kids. I don't feel like it was a sit down, make a decision kind of thing. We were sort of just like, we're, we're ready. We had been married for four years. So we were just ready to start a family. But I did get to observe, I feel like a lot of women do the life with little kids. And I mean, when they're little before school, you know, prior to kindergarten, it just kind of become your little pals. Like they're just like your little travel buddies and you just truck them around. It's hard. It's really hard. It's definitely not for everyone. And I can completely understand the people who don't want to have children in this life. Cause it's, it's a lot of extra work. My son, he was just my little buddy. And I used to put him in the, the carrier and, you know, he'd go on the planes with me and we just kind of went everywhere together. You know, obviously when he started school, that became a thing where we had to stick closer to home so that he could have more of a stable home life with that. I was not one who was jumping to homeschool. I gave Alyssa so much credit for doing that because that's difficult. And that was not a decision that I was prepared to make for myself. So as soon as he started kindergarten, we decided to stay home for the year and then just go out in the summertime to visit. But I give the girls that choose to homeschool, oh my gosh, you guys are warriors because that's hard. That's hard to be home with your kids all day, not only just being a parent, but then also turning it into being their teacher. So a secondary thing that, you know, has to get 
thought about is if you're going to homeschool or put them in school. I know that some people do have the ability in their communities where they're able to put their kids in school for the off season and then pull them during the season and they homeschool like half and half, which, you know, that's kind of a cool option too. If, if you're sort of looking around, it's, it's worthwhile to check into the schools in your area and find out what they're willing to do because a lot of them are willing to work with you, you know, so that you can keep your family together. Yeah. We heard about that before when we interviewed somebody in the baseball world that she does that. She does half a little bit of school and then they bring them out. And then during season they travel with dad and, and then go back to school, which I think is also just amazing because then you do become a teacher on the road. You're not even in your home. You're like in these hotels or maybe you're in like a small apartment and you're trying to teach your kids. So more props to you guys. You guys take the cake for sure. So you guys have done it all kind of. You've been in the minors, you've been in the majors, you've been in the coaching world now announcing. So what does that look like from a significant other perspective? Is everybody really welcoming and inclusive? Is it kind of different divisions? What does that look like? While you're playing, it varies, I feel like, from team to team as far as if like coaches' wives are hanging out with players' wives and that type of thing. That can get a little sketchy and that I've I've heard of everything from like coaches' wives hanging out to where like that's absolutely forbidden. So I think it depends on each team. Once you've stopped playing, like my husband still hang out, go into the clubhouses, talk to, you know, his friends or, you know, coaches from before. And I don't feel like there was any kind of division then, but um, while you're playing, you know, within the different front office and coaches, things I think can vary. I mean, they're coaching coaches wives, so they probably have a little bit different. (laughs) Yeah. I'd say as a minor league coach, yeah. As a minor league coach, it's been kind of half and half. I would say there have been certain levels, you know, obviously in the minor leagues, each level has kind of a different range of ages. So if you're in the lower levels, there tend to be a lot more single guys who haven't, you know, they're not married, they don't have girlfriends or whatever the case may be. So there's not a lot in the lower level. There's not a ton of women around because they're younger, obviously, as you kind of go up and Alyssa can speak to this since her husband was in AAA, then people have more long-term relationships or they're married and have more families. But I would say that I've kind of experienced both where we've been on teams where there was a lot of girls and we all hung out. Didn't matter if you were a a player's significant other or a coach's significant other. We were all like either in the same suite together or hanging out in the same row together at the games. And then I've definitely experienced where, you know, as a coach's wife, they kind of stay away from me, which is understandable (laughs) to a point because they just don't want to, you know, intermingle that whole thing. It can get a little bit touchy sometimes with various things, but I try to make sure that I'm there for them if they ever have a question or need something or whatever as the experienced person on the team, I can, I'm definitely willing to help. Yeah. I think as a coach's wife, you kind of make yourself available, but you don't expect to be invited. You know, you've sit in the, the family section and I'm friends with these girls, but it's just a little bit different. It took me a while to kind of figure that out in my mind. Cause I still felt like, I don't know. I just always feel the same age. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, they're way younger than me. So like, it makes sense that they're not including me in certain things, you know, and that that's how it should be because they're young and they're doing these things. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. It's interesting learning about all the different sports because it's different every single sport that we've talked about, the way that everyone interacts with each other. And so for football, it's a little different as well. Depends on the program and staff, how the groups, I guess, hang out together. So it's very interesting in that aspect. And I want to change topics here real quick. And I want to touch on the Our Baseball Life Foundation. So please explain what that is, where that came about, and what is the future like for the foundation? So we have been doing 
our baseball life all together, the three of us for a little while and doing the resources and having Instagram and, you know, all of the things that we were putting together, all of the content that we were sharing about, you know, anything from you need a doctor to, Hey, I've got a question. Can you answer it? Or, Hey, there's this thing that we want to talk about. Can we go further in depth about it? So we were doing all of that. And when COVID happened and the season for the minor leaguers got shut down, it became evident that people were going to need help. Obviously minor leaguers for anyone who doesn't know, they, not everyone makes a ton of money and not everyone signs for a ton of money. There are guys who sign for nothing. There are guys who sign for a thousand dollars. I mean, there are guys who sign for a plane ticket to spring training. And so there's, and there's never a guarantee. You're not guaranteed any money. So when the minor league season got shut down, people were struggling to pay their bills. They were struggling to pay their rent. They were struggling to put food on the table because these guys really relied on their paycheck from baseball. And now that they weren't getting it, you know, there was a massive amount of people that needed help. So we partnered up with another organization called Northern Baseball. In partnership with them, we were able to to raise over half a million dollars to give money to those who needed help. And even if it was just to put gas in their car or, you know, go grab groceries for the week, um, these guys weren't making anything. So we, we did that with them. That was, you know, fairly successful. And we were realizing how much of that is, even during a season when people are getting paid, the pay is not great. And so we figured out that our time was probably better served helping people and trying to figure out how to make sure that these families could get help if they needed it. If you're a minor leaguer on a pretty low salary and your wife or your girlfriend is working a job to help pay the bills as well, and something happens, you know, there's a medical bill or there's a tornado that goes through or something that happens to you, you need to be able to get help. And Major League Baseball does have an organization called BAT that that does that, but we wanted to be able to make it faster and easier to get assistance to people when they needed it. So we took all of that experience that we had with the the family fund and we said, let's get a foundation together. And so we did, we um, spent, I'm not sure, probably about six months trying to pull, pull it all together, figure out how to, you know, how that all works and pull together a board to help us. And so we do anything from emergency assistance for things like that, weather-related disasters, medical bills, you know, anything where there's just an emergency and you need help to, we raise money for different community organizations. So we've had events like a kickball game that we did in spring training, and we're actually doing it again this spring training. Um, And so we have girls come together and they're doing a kickball game to raise money for the Miracle League, which provides baseball facilities for people of all abilities to play baseball. So we, you know, we want to basically bridge the gap between the the professional baseball community and the communities that they live in and play in and make sure that we're supporting other organizations outside of baseball as well. So we've given money to different organizations through the foundation and it's really fun. It's really cool to, to plan these events and get baseball families out in the community and you know, doing something to give back, doing something to spend their time to raise money for somebody else or help, you know, somebody else. So that's, it's been really cool to see that come together. There were quite a few tragedies that happened back to back. And so instead of having to rely on GoFundMes or other nonprofits to raise money, we thought it was a no brainer that we needed our own foundation so that we could get the funds in their hands immediately. And, you know, obviously we're, you you don't want tragedies to happen, but they're a part of life. And it's just being prepared to say like, if, you know, somebody passes away or they're in a tragic accident and that family needs support, you know, financial support immediately, we're able to do that now. 
where before we had to, you know, do a GoFundMe and then, you know, have to jump all through those hoots and then pay all those fees. We can go around that now. I love that. I love that you guys have created something above just this community and which is great also, but being able to help people, especially during, like you said, those tragedies, I feel like there's just not enough resources that we can always use more. So that's awesome that you guys are doing that. And we always end with this question, but if you guys were to go back in time to your younger self, just getting started in this industry, maybe if you're talking to someone that is just getting started in this industry and you had to tell them something, what would be the one thing that you would say? Go on the road trips and take a lot of pictures. Like I wish that I would have I mean, I traveled a lot, but I cherry picked. I'd be like, oh, I'll definitely go to New York. I'll definitely go to LA. You know, (laughs) I wish I would have gone on more road trips and I wish that I would have taken more pictures, which obviously that was, you know, my husband's been retired now for seven years. So obviously, you know, nowadays everything's on Instagram and everything, you know, so I'm sure that they are taking those pictures, but just be conscious of it, you know, especially family members, Get those pictures of them in uniform. If you have kids, make sure you're getting them on the field at some point and taking those type of pictures and videos. Like my youngest, I remember Rick was playing the Red Sox in Boston and he was really young. He and I and I didn't take him to the field that day. So my older one has a great picture of him at Fenway on the field. And my youngest is like, well, where's my picture? And I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't think I brought you that day. Or, you know, I don't remember what it was, but you know, I, I regret that now. So I always say travel and take all the pictures and video you can, because you kind of take it for granted while it's happening. And then when it's over, you're, you're going to want those memories. I was going to say run. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. For sure. Just try to enjoy things in the moment, even the hard parts. I mean, there's Gosh, there's so many hard things about it. And I don't want to be one of those people who's like, enjoy even the bad moments because, you know, they'll end quickly. Like, that's not my point. But my point is that, you know, don't get swept up in the stress of it. Like, try to just relax, let things happen as they're going to happen. And, you know, don't try to control so much. I think, you know, when I was young and doing this, I thought that by staying on top of every single trade, every single transaction, every single thing that I was going to like somehow control what happened to us, or I was somehow going to like rein it in and like get in control of our, of our future. And that, I mean, that was so misguided and immature of me to think that by being that tied to it all the time that I was going to be able to control that. You can't, it's going to happen to you regardless of checking all of the websites and you know, looking at all of the things that you think you can't predict it. So I think that I would go back and just tell myself to relax, not get so involved in it, I guess, and just sort of enjoy the parts of it that are great and work through the parts of it that aren't. Have your own identity, whether that's, you know, being a mom, having a job, having a hobby, you know, volunteering, being in your community, whatever that may be, whatever that looks like for you, but build your own identity outside of baseball. Also, don't let it consume you because it's just one aspect of your life. It doesn't have to be your entire life. And if you want it to be your entire life, that's fine too, but find outlets, find ways to, you know, release some of that tension and some of that energy and some of that stress, because otherwise it can just be so all consuming. Yeah, exactly what Paige said. Same thing. It just makes you stressed for no reason because you have no control. (laughs) Because I've been in this game for so long and I can look back and now when bad things happen or the job that you thought he was going to get that he didn't get, that kind of thing, it's easier now because I can look back and see that, you know, I'm a person of faith and I believe that God has a plan and I can look back now and see the people 
that he's put in our life and the places that we've been for a reason. So I would want to go back and tell myself that to not stress about it because good things come out of every season, no matter what. Yeah. I think that's so interesting. We hear that on every part of our platform of our community. Like everybody says that too. Like, and it's so hard in that position, like when you're in that transition or when you're in that, in that spot where you're like, we should have been here or we should go here, you know? And it's like hard to realize like, okay, this is happening for a reason, but you realize it, you know, years down the road. And so I think that's a really, really good point. Yeah. And we appreciate you coming on and just sharing all of your stories and knowledge. And I know that Brittany and I have definitely learned a lot from this. And we will definitely link everything up for our audience to be able to find y'all on our baseball life. And thank you again for the time. And I'm sure our listeners have learned a bunch today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And thank you to everyone that's listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than a Season Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season Podcast for the latest updates. If you've enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time.